Hello and welcome to the TT Podcast. I'm Chris Pritchard and alongside me is... Oh, I forgot he's not here again. Steve Plater is still on holiday. Scarberry's at this time. Took the family. Probably eating fish and chips right now. Well, I'm here in the studio, beavering away, bringing you some of the classic hits from the TT Podcast. So this time I thought we'd rewind all the way back to April 2022 when I sat down alongside Steve. Do you remember Steve? Remember that guy? Won a couple of TTs, never here anymore, swans in, does the new episodes, swans back out. Anyway, we both sat down with the Birchall Brothers, Mansfield's finest Birchall Brothers. And uh, classic episode, really enjoyed chatting to these guys, they've got a lot to say and since we did this podcast they have done nothing but break records. They set that brand new lap record speed of 120 miles an hour at TT 2023. It was an absolute pleasure to watch them do that. I think everybody took a sigh of relief, especially Ben, that they managed to achieve it. And as well as that, they went on to win both TT races in the sidecars. So sit back, relax, grab a brew, unless you're driving, concentrate on the road and enjoy the chat. As me, Steve, Ben and Tom talk shop. For today's episode of the TT Podcast, we're joined by Ben and Tom Birchall. The two brothers from Mansfield made their TT debut back in 2009. They went on to take their first TT victory in 2013. And since then, this is a big start. They've won every TT race they've finished setting numerous new lap records and race records in the process. With 10 TT wins together, they are the most successful sidecar pairing in history, and Tom is now the most successful TT passenger of all time. And Ben Sites must surely be on that record of 17 TT victories from Dave Molyneux. It hasn't been all plain sailing, however. Suspension failure saw them flying off the side of Snaefell Mountain in 2012, and a nasty crash in 2014 left Ben with serious hand injuries that threatened his career. But clearly, it's not slowed them down in the slightest. They're both great athletes and engineers, but does being brothers give them that final edge? Ben once said, there's some kind of intuition going on just growing up together. You know what each other are thinking, what's coming up next, and that's not just on the bike. I can pass him the vinegar while he's still looking at his bag of chips because I know he's ready for some more. Ben, Tom... Welcome to the TT Podcast. How are we doing? Good Great. Mate. Thank Hi. you very much. How, how was my intro? Very <laughs> good. Thanks. I didn't know half of that lot. Wrote it yourself. <laughs> I don't think I'm getting out of this door. My head's just got massive. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get straight into this first question. So, you've obviously, you've listened to the podcast before. You know the question that's coming, but there's two of you this time. So, Ben, we'll start with you. That tap on the shoulder. You're rolling up onto the start line on the sidecar. You get that hand grabbing your shoulder. You're waiting for that tap. What's going through your mind in those moments? Just just you saying that makes you start twitching and hairs start standing <laughs> up on the back of your neck. And I think I can see Steve laughing. Anybody that's had that knows that feeling. I try and have absolutely nothing in my head. That's that's something that I try and do. No distractions, nothing. It's difficult, obviously. But that's just, just what I do. Try and just be dead dead clear cut and start thinking when you start going. That's That's me. Yeah. And Ben, you obviously don't get the tap on the shoulder, but you can see that That's tap That's Tom, happening. by the way, just as we're going on. Do you know how well, many times I'm going to do this in this podcast? <laughs> Tom, you clearly don't have the tap on the shoulder, but you can see it happening. You know what's coming. Is it slightly different being the passenger? Yeah, it's, it's weird um, because it's like you want it to happen, but you don't want it to happen yeah. at the same time. But as soon as you know it, the guy comes and he, he's got his hand there, I'm like, things change. Ears go up on the back of his neck, he's... Steering down that road, so I'm comfy. Then I'm like, right, he's got his head on, off we go. And uh, when he when he does give the tap, man, it's just like you're at peace. Then going to work, you're doing your job. All them weird emotions and all that nervousness, it, it's just gone. It's literally yeah, like a flick of yeah, the switch. Like a flick of the switch, yeah. And Steve, you've had the tap on the shoulder. Well, you've kind of had the tap on the shoulder with Ben. You've been sat in that passenger seat. No, you're right. Yeah, but, you know, I had to obviously. Uh, the boys asked some lessons. So I dug deep, you know, and, and offered to sit on the back and obviously um, try and get Ben up to the pace I know he's capable of with a decent passenger. Oh, we're chasing them wins, so, Steve. And of course, you know, once once we set off, I just kind of thought, well, is that it? Is that as fast as we flipping go? You know, it's pretty easy, really. You know, you say it's like a big comfy armchair. Yeah. 
you know, what more can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I must say, you did well to get in my leathers. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I think probably the only distressing part for me about the whole lap, you know, was getting back to the paddock and all the girls chasing around me when I got off the back mm-hmm. of the cycle. Yeah. yeah. That's that takes happens. a few years to, you know, cope with, but I've been at it a while. <laughs> you get used to it. Give you two pointers. Right, now talking about the sidecars, obviously, you know, it's so different to what I'm used to. You know, it was a great experience for mm-hmm. me and I'm very thankful, but it's so different to racing on two wheels, you know. And, you know, for you, Ben, is it more like racing a car than than, than a motorbike? I don't know. I've, I've not done any car racing. I would think that the, the visual perspective of what you get as a driver is because of the height and it's something that's overlooked a lot with sidecar you know we're probably two foot lower than what a solo rider is they can see through edges or look over walls or I think you said something to me what's your what point you're looking at your exit point or something and I said I don't have one and we don't a lot a lot of the TT course to us is completely blind you just work out that you turn in there flat out and it comes out at the right point. See, that's really weird for me, <clears throat> yeah. from my from my side and, and my yeah. discipline. It's just so... And, and I find that very hard to be accurate. Mm. But that's the way we learn it and we know, you know, we know nothing else. And I think that knowledge gets passed, or the start of that knowledge gets passed on from other drivers. You know, I got some help from Nick Crow. I, I did a, a couple of laps with him. I did a lap with Tim Reeves and he said hey, this bit, it's flat out now from here to here and you're like what <laughs> how is it but you know you, it took me years to do that and whether you know whether that is actually done by anybody I don't know but it is possible to do it so you know that you can go through this left and that right into that next bit full gas and you don't actually have to see see through it you just know that your road positioning will end up alright so arguably sorry Chris but arguably it's more it's harder to learn the course at pace than it is on solos yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. And I think it then becomes a battle of your how fast you want to go and and how scared you want to be, really. And you've got you've got to build that up. It's quite interesting because at the minute we're going to have a newcomer with us for ne- for this TT. That question would be brilliant for him because he's an ex car racer and bike racer, so he's got both sides of it. But we've we just had a weekend there and at the Isle of Man and. He, he was like, "What? What? This?" I said, "Yeah, this is as fast as you can go." And it is just that it's how how fast you want to go, how much you want to push yourself, and then you find out you unlock bits as you go along. So instead of rolling, you think, "I could do that flat," and no, I can't. Yeah, I can. It might take three laps or three years, but eventually you'll work your way to it. So I suppose it it's probably same with a solo. But I think we have a lot more places on the course where we're just flat out in top gear and it is doable it is capable if you and him can you know there's a there's a lot of trust and self-confidence in himself you know I'll notice it as we build up through the week you know he might open throttle three quarters of the way around Doran's bend there but then you know we fast forward to race and he's already you know took a gear out back on it and you know and that just comes builds over the week but Learning it, you know, going through certain places, right now I've got to be full speed, otherwise you're just not going to make that next step. That's a that's a big commitment to make, isn't it? You know, I'm glad I'm not doing his job. <laughs> is, there a, is there any, uh, Steve, you might be able to answer this because you've done both. Would there be any advantage trying to learn it on a, on a solo as a sidecar rider? Because like you say, you can see over those hedges, you can see a bit further down the road. Or would that completely confuse your perspective once once you drop down that two foot and then yeah, it, it looks it, like a completely different track. Yeah, it just it looks so different. Yeah. I'll, I'll even in the car, sometimes I'll stop and get out and crouch down to where I'd be. And and if anybody does it, you go, Oh, where am I? You know, it's it is completely different. So we, when we were learning it, I just got to a point and I said to Tom, I need to get on sidecar now, that's it. I have done as much as I can, I'm sure, and it's gonna change again when you get on sidecar and sure enough it did I, you're lost where am I can't recognise this bit until really? mm, until you get until you get going yeah just to answer that you know I couldn't you know I can't get the grass between the two because you know I was the passenger sat on the back just like so. just yeah, like yeah, Tom yeah. so you know unfortunately for Ben I haven't driven around there yet um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, fortunately but, but you're so much higher sat, sat in the back for Tom <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk sidecars then because I mean, I grew up wanting to be a side a passenger in a sidecar. That was like the dream. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that that you know it's not as big as it used to be back in the the, the kind of the eighties and the nineties. First simple question I have is why is a passenger on the left hand side? 
I think it just comes from uh, English roads and European roads. Right. A lot of the back in the day, a lot of the if there was a European chassis manufacturer, they'd have sidecar on the right. Right. You know, and the and the English builders built them on the left. So some tracks the it favours corners. So some tracks the, the Europeans would would win because you know or have more chance of winning because that bike would handle better on a clockwise track than an anti-clockwise track. There's not many anti-clockwise tracks anymore, is there? You yeah. Know, think about you know the Saxon ring that I know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, but then the European lads would turn up with a, a sidecar on the other side, so you know they'd, they'd be great round there. But most of the circuits are clockwise, aren't they? So yeah. So let's so let's talk engines then. What engines are we using in in sidecars at the minute? We use Hondas, and we have done for well since we started, yeah, basically. Since we started, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And and we have a a great relationship with Honda now, and you know they they appreciate what we do, and we get some some good help, and that relationship has been cemented with Chris Mayo he's been with us since we since we rode with, with Cla- for, for Claffy and uh, I get on you know we get on great with him and what a great guy he's just he's a great part of TT if you look back at what he's done and who he's been involved with so yeah we we use them and albeit uh, let's say maybe it's a bit of an older engine now it's for us for a sidecar it works it works brilliant it's certainly 600 not, right mm, 600 and the rules for this year changing slightly yeah, in, which is good. It's opened up another avenue for development, for things to come in, and it sort of it definitely needed it because whatever happens in the next couple of years, at the minute six hundred seems to be in a bit of no man's land, mm-hmm. and they've they've changed the super sport rules for solos, so it's it's great by TT organisers to sort of keep us in that changing time and not leave us stuck in a old fashioned sidecar time, and and they've they've opened it up and it'll be interesting to see. I know Dave Molyneux. He's building a, a bike with a twin in it with a KTM in it, so it'll be interesting to see what they like. You know. So what, the draw for the TT as well, and it it's the spectacle and the noise that you get. You know, mm-hmm. there's no noise limit there, so we always go with a lad exhaust, and people love it. You know, they really do. So it's going to bring some different uh, sensations to it as well. So as a fan, it, it's going to work. It's going to be good. Yeah. What what um, you know, CC wise, obviously that's they're the rules. But how would you feel at uh, racing a thousand CC around the Ardman TT course? It'd be same rule uh, for everybody, obviously. But yeah, it, you can look at it. It's like riding a big bike and a little bike. I think you try. You have to try a lot harder on a little bike, a lower CC bike, to keep it going. You probably, I don't know. Maybe you'd say you'd ride a twin a lot harder than you would a thousand. I've never done it, so I don't know. But that's the way I think of it. So yeah, if we had a thousand CC, you probably won't have to corner as hard, but you wouldn't be able to either because the thing is a lot heavier. So that where where our bikes are, they seem to be a good package. And you've only to look at what's happened with the World Championship. We've reduced CC from 1,000 to 600. And uh, they're now breaking 1,000 CC lap records. So they're going quicker with less CC. So I don't know. 1,000 CC grand. As a passenger, Tom, you know, do you think that it's not really doable? I don't think my arms are strong enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like one of them, isn't it? It's down to the organisers to think about it the safety aspect really because yeah, yeah. when we were doing world championship with a thousand cc there were probably two or three teams in the world that were really fully in control of them and you know that's what uh brought in part of the, the rule change because it was just two three bikes disappearing at distance you know so you've got to think about the whole package and the whole field um if they said you've got to then we would because still want a good racing at tt but i don't know i think it's in a good place you know i think it's all right as it is so this stat I've got here, tell me if this is true. Seventy percent of the TT lap is at full throttle. It's it's not far off that. If oh, it's yeah. if it's not seventy, it's sixty. The, really? the, yeah, the amount you sort of forget. I do because you just do it and then you're watching on board and then it sort of brings it back to you just how how much it is flat out. Or like what we've just done. We've just probably done ten laps last weekend. And yeah, this is flat out. I don't, I'm still in top here. I, change, I don't change gear. It's still flat out, and it is. <laughs> and you ride when you drive short circuits. It's not very often that you are sat there wide open mm-hmm. with enough time to start thinking about other stuff. Whereas at TT, you just you're thinking just, about what's for tea yeah, when you get back. If you're not careful, you can soon start. Your mind can start wandering. Yeah. So in turn, what does that do for an engine? How often are you changing your engines at the TT? We'll take four. We'll, we'll use a new engine for. Or you know a fully rebuilt engine for each race, right? 
and then depending on how much practice we get, uh, we, we might change that halfway through. And it, don't get me wrong, the, the engines would be capable of doing the whole thing, I would say, mm-hmm. but just as a longevity and a, a precaution, they get rebuilt after a certain amount of mileage, and that helps us helps us in cost in the long run, you know, over yeah. two or three years. So, but the they do take a pound in, you know. It's, and the thing with us, we've we've very little suspension, so any any bump that it goes over, the back wheel's off the floor. So we have to lower the rev limit so that when the wheel's off the floor, it's not hitting oh, full course, revs yeah. all the time. Um, so we'll we'll compromise some of its performance for that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of uh, I think a lot of valves have been bent finding out where exactly we need to be. <laughs> that's, that's some budget. You know, obviously four engines, you know, does obviously increase the, the cost of going to compete the TT as well. Yeah, um, that's where, we're, where we are. We're lucky enough to be at that top end of the of the range and you do, you need you need big budget to do it and to do it. But it doesn't mean that that's what you need to do it, if you know what I mean. I don't want to sort of, you know, there's there's lads that turn up there through every class with as much as they can get together and they'll mm. they'll complete two races and do three laps in each one and they might have one engine for all practice week one race and one spare that's not very good and mm-hmm, yeah. it, you know it's the but bike. that's tt in it it just covers such a broad spectrum yeah. of the bike that we're building for the guy who's going to be a newcomer you know them engines are going to be almost standard you know and they will do the whole job for him and they'll keep going and it'll be a great experience hopefully but like you know we're we're splitting ears we're trying to find something you know, you're right at the top end. Almost unachievable, yeah. you know. So everything has, has got to be scrutinised and looked at. You know, you obviously you mentioned helping out a, a newcomer come in and obviously using one of your outfits and so on. You know, and you, you're getting busy and busier and building outfits for different people. Do you think that's a distraction? Does or do, you know how how does that work? Can be if you let it. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe I've compromised me after sales due to that in some way. I've tried not to, but the, at some point I have to. You know, cut off and get on with, with me, my passion and me, and and also the other side of the bit that pays our wages. So, if if our bikes don't do any good, then who's going to want to buy them? And and I've got to, at some point really just say, oh, I've got to get mine yeah. ready, or I've got to do our stuff. So, but it's it there's two of us, so we regulate it between us. And I think the guys that have our bikes are understanding of that because they do it themselves. Um, it would be nice to just do. The bike building and be there as a real backup and try stuff and offer stuff but we it's not at that point you know the the level of sales and the, the budget like we just spoke about that guys get is not at that point in sidecar so it's very much a hands-on and we do what we do and the other good thing is that everyone needs to be ready for a certain time so it's not like by march everyone needs to have the stuff and mm-hmm. be, be up and running us included so with enough time then between there and tt to iron anything out that we want to do and you know how busy is the virtual team this year? What uh, not just the Alaman TT? What else are you, are you looking to attack for 2022? Looking to go back to the World Championship. Uh, we've had a couple of years off. You know, COVID hit everybody hard, and the travelling was was a bit too much to to take in. Um, and it's you know a, a loyal group of sponsors have thankfully stayed with us, and we're going to try and go back to the World Championship. But the the main focus is TT. It's got to be if if things aren't going to plan then we'll have to you know put that on the back burner for a little bit so full attention on TT if we can pull a bit of BSB in that'd be nice you know we've got some obviously some some guys from England who are sponsoring us so it's nice to be able to do some events for them um, and looking forward to World Championship if it comes off for us but like I say big job it's TT <laughs> so, so I guess the question is obviously every solo rider that goes to the TT wants to win a TT but you wouldn't necessarily say that that's the pinnacle of the sport like you're looking to do a bit of world championship if you can, like on the side. Why is the TT so important to to sidecar drivers, riders, passengers? Maybe it's, it isn't to to everybody. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right, Tommy. It's not to everyone. It's not. But anyone that's approached it or thought about doing it or done it, mm-hmm. it, it just is. Yeah. And it and certainly for us as at the level we're at, if if I didn't go to TT, I'd just be telling people that I do a world championship and it's not really publicised that good or it, it has some coverage, but nothing like what you get from TT. So, it, you know, really for me, if if that's what you, we need to give a certain amount back to people that are involved with us and friends and sponsors. So not only is it a fantastic event, it's mm-hmm. also, you know, a, a massive 
media poll and anybody that speaks to us or, or said to me, uh, you're racing next year, yeah. Oh, is TT back on? That's the first thing that they'll say. Yeah, yeah. You know, not is PSB on or is World Championship mm. on? They, that's and that's where where we're at. So, I had, I had this discussion with with um, some organisers from the World Championship of late, and I said, you don't you don't understand how important that is. You know, there's there's a clash of dates, which is one of them things. But you know, well, why why would you prioritise that over this? And well. You need to come and have a look at it first <laughs> yeah. before you can ask that question. If you know, you know. It's one of them. Isn't it? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did they understand it in the end? Oh, I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to TT. <laughs> <laughs> Good lad. So is is um is there a big difference between the TT in a sidecar compared to a, a short circuit? Because there is for for solos, but is it the same? You yeah, know, with the walls ma- and the, yeah, the lack massive, of runoff, and massive difference. Oh, huge, yeah. yeah, a yeah. different different mindset. You know, it is a completely yeah. different mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Big, huge amount of respect has to be paid to it, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we go to Donington and say, like record, second lap or what, you know, wind each other up a bit. Yeah. But you go to TT and the approach is just very grounded, very back to basics. And I, I, I personally don't feel comfortable with it, you know, as in, right, I'm just going to go and jump on it and do it like you would at Donington Park. You've got to take them steps, approach it and almost as if it's your first one, you know, still tick the boxes, still have your pads in the right place and make sure everything's all right at home and all that kind of thing because it is such a big commitment mm-hmm. and it needs respecting because we all know what can happen or, you know, it can bite you, we've been there. But not only that, you know, you, you want to make sure everything's right to get the best out of your, your two weeks as you possibly can. Yeah, so let's talk about your two weeks as a passenger. I mean, where do you start with that? Nine times out of ten when I watch a sidecar going round, you're not even looking where you're going. So how how do you know where you are on the circuit at any one point? <laughs> Practice or do you just hope for best? <laughs> no. Ah, no. <laughs> it, uh, well, I suppose it, it, I'll tell that story about when we went over doing some laps. When you said where does it start, <laughs> it normally starts in anchor on key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is like my job. It's totally different to his job, totally yeah. different to what Steve's job was as a solo rider and it's almost pointless me trying to talk you around a lap and what gear we're in what throttle position i'm going to use through there you know i, I remember it a lot with ben and we, we discuss it and when we get back after after a practice or whatever but i know it in, in my own way to make my uh, contribution worthwhile to to what he's trying to do yeah because at the end of the day i am there just to complement what he wants to do as in where i put my weight on the bike where i you know weigh down on a bump or whatever but like going back a few years, we, we Paul Phillips and his team got us over there, get us a higher car and all that kind of thing. It's great, and you're doing laps, and I'm not really learning a lot, you know. Sat messing about with radio, or there's an old woman crossing the road, and you're like, I don't know, you know, what, what am I picking up from this? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, stick your head in footwell and tell me where we are in five miles time. Like, all right, then that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I learnt it by not looking. Like, right, we've gone left there, a bump there going right there you know and then right pop up with Glen Ellen yep here we are because that that's a tricky thing once you get going there like you know on on the fast approach towards Greba I've been out at wind for a long time he's taking in everything I'm just completely tucked behind trying to keep aerodynamic and then you just have to pop up after that that rise and there's two bead signs either side pop up there then go left but you've got to speed up to that yeah and like you're not looking you're looking at something still as in parts of the bike the yeah. fuel tank or whatever pop up and you've got to catch up to 160 mile an hour and the wind and the noise and the you know so that takes some getting your head around but I, I know it by bumps in the road by where the bike's moving I can see his braking foot so I know when he's thinking about braking listening for the engine listening for what gear we're in and I'm just trying to absorb it I just I've been a bit of a weirdo in trying to take it all in so it's more it's more like a sensory experience than it is yeah. visual and yeah. like you say it must be hard to go from looking at the footwell or whatever yeah. you know you call it that yeah. yeah and then looking up and you've got to you know to speed up to yeah, that and go yeah. here i am mm. and if you're not how does that affect you and then if you've gone a bit too far you're like oh how, it must be yeah you've got to your timings have got to be right yeah. and they have to adjust as he's speeding up through the week you know because mm-hmm. things come at you quicker or that bump that you used to rely on isn't there anymore because we've skimmed over that rather than yeah. eating it. So, yeah, it is a constant adjustment. You know, like <laughs> we might set off in a race and he's 
just you know just sort of settles into it a little bit but then the next time we come through there we're six seconds up in one sector you know that's mm -hmm. like got to be a right we're on it now sort of thing so yeah you, i've got to i've got to have my socks pulled up <laughs> i've got to mean it you know what i mean you, you've yeah. got to mean it good to hear this is <laughs> <laughs> well, this, i was going to say like for you ben you've got what happens if tom isn't on the ball what if he is a little bit late getting out of the the into the wind, getting over into the right position? How? I'm in the shit, and I mean shit. You are. You're in the world <laughs> it of pain. Can be, yeah. Yeah. But that's how critical it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. A, it is a TT at the mm -hmm. speeds that we're doing, and the, it's it's on its tiptoes and a lot of places. Like say, springs to end of Cronkavody straight. The mm. the white line split, and it's a right hander. Well. That is flat out in top gear. It's just there's nothing there for us. Let me stop with there, right? So I'd agree to do this lap on the back of obviously uh, Ben. This parade lap, you know, it's a nice steady lap. And uh, I thought, right, and I've never go out and watched. It. I've never been out watching it at the TT because yeah. I've always been obviously racing there and then busy with a TV job. And um, I thought I'll pop out. And I said, oh, where can we go? And said, well, you can go and stand at the end of Cronky Valley Straight. So I'm sat there and the tie cars coming out. I thought, oh, this is good. I can kind of see what what I'm in for in a few days' time. Bloody hell. Yeah. You can't believe they just come down there flat, yeah, and Gungadin sat in the back, not even looking where he's going. And I'm thinking, what have I flipping let myself in for? <laughs> so maybe we better pick up on that point just before you carry on. The reason I'm not looking is because I want to stay out the wind for aerodynamics. Yeah. You know, when you're going up like the mountain mile or whatever, if I'm having a look, you can actually hear it revs just just drop off. You yeah. know, so it's it's that sort of critical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so there, for example, you get you get there and it, it's flat out in top gear, and it'll if he doesn't, he now does something. The story for that for us was I thought yeah. one night I can do this flat. He's having it tonight through there flat, so it did, and it went sideways. Showed me bank, showed me other bank, and somehow straightened up. And then you have no time to think about that because you're straight into another series of, of bends. Yeah. And when we got back in, I says, "What the happened at the end of Cronkavody Street?" And he asked me the same thing. And yeah. I said, didn't you get out? Did you forget? I thought that he'd had a, you know, a, a moment or just... And he said, I don't do anything there. And I said, well, you need to. You need to start. Right. I can't do that flat out if you don't do something. And then then the next thing... Is this a is this a heated discussion? A little bit. Or is it... Yeah, yeah, no, yeah it was well, like... He's saying, you know, yeah. It, yeah. it has to be yeah. on the table. And, and apparently it was nobody's real fault. So why don't you move? Because I can't move my legs that fast because I have to lock them in here. So then... The next year, we changed the shape of his his tray. What is he's on, so that he could have a fluid movement easily and drop back in easily. Just for that, just for Crunky Body, just for there, and then. So but then that helps. So, could, so, so Tom can yeah. respond quicker yeah. to it. Yeah, exactly. So then it moves on to somewhere else, somewhere else, and then all of a sudden that might give you half a second there, half a second there, or over forty miles. That's three or four seconds a lap without really me doing much more, him doing a little bit more, but still in a comfort zone. So. His effect on the bike is is massive. So it, it, if he if he doesn't move when I when he normally would, then yeah, I, you can get out. You'd get out of it. But in certain places, if it didn't, that would be it'd be curtains. Yeah. You know why should you have that feeling of mm, going through here? It's going to be terrible. You know if I can help the bike to be more planted through a section, he's happier. He's going to go through it better. You know it all works together. And it'd be easier on the outfit, obviously. Yeah. 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 But that that. Area in particular that Ben's talking about in the Crunky Valley Street, that was like from the sidecar passenger's handbook, you don't have to do anything through there, sit still. And once that happened, it were like, right, I'm going to rip that up now and completely start again. And then the approach just changed. And then the thinking changed. You know, you are you have got to be busy because there's so many crests and jumps and stuff like that. And like Ben says, if you can just sneak a bit here, you know, 10 places around course, you've, you've knocked a big lump off. So when you're running out of the hill on towards onto the big long straight to go down, to go down towards Cronky Body, mm -hmm. where's your next shut-off point? There's that right we're talking about, then there's another right that's flat, and then I go back to fifth for the next right and back to fourth for the left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's fascinating for me, this. Absolutely fascinating. We could spend all day talking about it. But what I want to talk about is your first TT memories. Like, go way back. Were you watching the sidecars then? Were you thinking, hey, we'll have a go at this at some point? Oh, yeah, I think we we 100% were. I mean, 1982, what first TT mum and dad ever took me to. I'd have been, I don't know, four or five or something. And I can just vaguely remember it, yeah. but then it was every year from then on. And my dad had a great, just had a great love of sidecars. Obviously, 
solos as well but it, it, it you know he, he just had a thing about sidecars so we'd, we'd watch them we, we, we didn't go home when they were on you know what I mean mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it, it, it got on but my main ambition and main thing was to be a solo racer that's what I wanted to do really but when I got you know they were but you got a little brother <laughs> I've got three actually there's four of us you know old John were making sausages and pork pies as fast as he could but he couldn't make enough to buy me a solo <laughs> so I went a, a quite an easy route was into into sidecars as a passenger you know that was just a good which I obviously liked and enjoyed and liked the thought of but that was a, an easy way to get into racing so that's sort of where it went yeah yeah like earliest it, earliest ones every year two weeks that was our family holiday you know, when there were there's four sons, uh, my mum and dad, and then there were another family that used to come as well, and it just involved riding motorbikes around the field, climbing trees, you know, playing in stream. We actually had a campsite at the bottom of Bagara there, and the the bridge that you jump over. Well, I used to like run through that underneath that bridge when bikes were going over, you know, building dams in stream and stuff like. Oh, it just great memories, you know. Yeah. And then it'd take us up to the paddock, and you know, when we were young kids and getting autographs off, off the riders there. Um, but Who was your heroes at that time? You. Yeah. Not that Back in the 80s. <laughs> 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 it was it like, I've got... Um, more that time again, still. That's fabulous. <laughs> I've got... <laughs> Feel got good pictures of being sat on Joey Dunlop's bike or Robert Dunlop's bike, you know. Dave Jeffries, I'll be about, I don't know, 10, I think, or something. Dave Jeffries, if you're on a V&M Yamaha then. You know, John McGuinness still... But a uh, cool memory was uh, Dave Jeffries, it was on that uh, Chesterfield Yam on super stock bike or production bike, because it would be then. Uh, and he, he was leading it racing. He'd come through Bikeman Bagara there, and I was sort of, there's an entrance a bit further down called Camel Farm. And I'm like a kid, you know, waving my program, stood on outside at Bend, you know, which my dad let me do. Was probably not a good idea, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> so there I am waving it, and he, he noticed, and he just like, I don't know if he dropped it down a gear, whatever, just put it on back wheel all the way down towards 13th. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it was so awesome. cool. Yeah. Hey, talking about your dad and jumping out in front of, uh, of people, oh. is, this, is, this, is, this, is this a true story <laughs> that like your dad got, was a marshal? He's and... got a nickname, Phantom Flang Flinger. <laughs> <laughs> <You remember? laughs> he, uh, he's just... Dad's I think he's picture him. I can't. You yeah. can, can't you? He's just the most enthusiastic <laughs> man of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it obviously he's he broke his back getting us to TT somehow. And it, you know, as I can remember as kids, it were all stressful, and he's loading a Land Rover and a trailer with everything that he could fit in, and it were tight. Money were tight, you know. But we made it. We always made it. And uh, so for us to then do the TT, huge. I think we overlooked it a little bit because it's you're like, right, we're going to do it. But imagine it for for. John and Sue. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they were still on the same campsite, I reckon, when yeah. <laughs> we were in paddock. So for him to um, be involved in it, and he marshalled, he loves marshalling and, and he always has. He always used to marshal at the bottom of Bagaro, but then I think he started moving around a little bit. So our first night of practice, newcomer, we did the control lap and uh, came in, and then you're off on your own, which control laps a bit what's happening because you can't get going. So Got going and I think I got through uh, Endocrine Cavalli again down that way and sort of towards top of Bagara. Next minute there's a Marshall Imp Road waving at me <laughs> and what's happening? And I just, you know, as you just catch that corner of your eye, you, you don't want to look, but you, you try and have got one forward and one here. And it's John. And I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and there's no other Marshalls jumping about or waving yeah. flags. So obviously, if the course is clear. I'll carry on. <laughs> Gets back to Paddock. And he has a gold star, a BSA gold star. So it obviously took oh, him about three, about three hours to get that star to daft at practice already. He made his way back to Paddock in dark. How was that? I said, oh, oh, great, yeah. He said, did you see me? <laughs> yes, Dad, I did. Yeah. Thanks very much. Well, it then goes on every night, but I'm ready for it place. next night. I thought, John, don't jump out. It's somewhere else. So, so not only is the hazard learning the track, it's dodging John every night. <laughs> Yeah, keep you on your toes. Yeah. That's brilliant, that. <laughs> so when you first got into sidecars, Ben, um, again, this is a, a, another story we heard that you were uh, you were asking your boss for time off work. Yeah. He wouldn't allow it. Tell us the uh, the story there. I've been passengering for uh, three or four years with a great guy from uh, Great Harwood in Blackburn who, who's passed away 
recently, unfortunately. But anyway, so I was I was sort of cut me off. It said side car in the middle of me. That's it. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I had great fun, and I got an opportunity to go Grand Prix racing as a passenger, which was was like the ultimate level to get to. Yeah. And I was up, I was really up for that. And I went to the guy that I worked for who uh, had a garage. I was a mechanic. And explained the situation, said I need, I think it was about 40 days holiday. Well, in my my head, that's fine. I don't need paying for them all. I just need to be able to go. And he's like, no, you, I can't let you have that much time off. And so I said, oh, okay, no problem. I'll, well, I'll just have me noticing. I'll go to end at week. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was going Grand Prix racing. And he, he said, what? You, you're going to leave? I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. And in the... We'd, he'd been out on road testing me and, with me in a few cars and he knew, sort of knew what I was like and I think I'd said at some time I'd love to drive a sidecar but it was just a way off. I couldn't really see a way of doing it. And mm-hmm. He said, well, I thought you wanted to drive a sidecar. I said, I can't. I need 10 grand minimum to buy one and then I've got to find a van and this and that. And, and he said, well, if you stay here, I'll give you five grand. You find the other five and then you stay here and you get to drive a sidecar. So that opened up a different, a different window for me. So, so how did you find your other five grand? I got um, went home, got our lasses. We're going to the bank, <laughs> and uh, explained how we wanted this kitchen extension doing, and, and <laughs> it was going to be a worthwhile project. And walked out with my five grand bankers draft and put a lot of collateral on the house. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, at Kel, my missus, she's always had a decent job. You know, she's always worked really hard and she'd got a nice car, it was a Fiat Punto Turbo, a bright yellow one, which she loved. And about two weeks later, I'd sold that and bought, a, <laughs> bought an old transit to put <laughs> this back in. <laughs> so, yeah, and, that, and then we went. You know, we were off. We'd got a, we'd got a bike and we are off racing. And the rest is history, as you mm. say. Flipping yeah. it. That's some commitment. Isn't it, just? Yeah. Well, you're looking back, it was just in a blink of an eye. It weren't even... Yeah, you know, you don't even think. And do you think about it. your time, obviously, passenger on on the sidecar? Do you think that helped, especially yeah. with the TT stuff? You know, to to understand what Tom's saying when you're having your debriefs in you. Yeah, it helped um, a lot because I, obviously I was just wild, and yeah. I'd got off a sidecar that was winning a British Championship, and I knew what lap time you're supposed to do. I knew what was supposed to be flat out, but I just didn't have the the skill as yet to do that. <laughs> But I did have compassion for for who was on side because I know it, the driver that I was on was just a hard driver, and to him there was it didn't matter what what went on to him on side. It, it was I sort of knew how it felt, so that definitely helped. I never did TT as a passenger. No, um, luckily, don't think I'd have ever come back if I'd have done it with Dave. He was he was a hard <laughs> rider, but yeah, it helped in a lot of ways. But then at some point you have to sort of forget about what he's doing and concentrate on what you're doing and. And I think that's the next level of speed and success that you get to as a sidecar team where, yeah, I don't go up and down gearbox in between chicanes or jam on brakes halfway through and when he's mid-movement, mm-hmm. ever. But at some point, it's got to get difficult and at some point, he's got to decide if he wants to commit to that next level of, oh, yeah. I can't do that. We can't go through there at that speed. And uh, touch wood, he's never, Tom, I've never had conquer. that. Uh, no, I don't actually. <laughs> I think that's a load of old talk. Oh, it makes me feel loads better when I talk like that. Huh? <laughs> well, fuck him, on... I'm just going to let it have it. Next. You want to be on Saturday, you're going through some chicanes at Donington Park when you're trying to find pole position. So if you're obviously squatted down and out, out of sight for a lot of the time, looking at whatever you're looking at on what we're talking uh, for, about for references when, you, when you're circulating around the TT, um, do you ever criticise, or not criticise, do you ever say, can't we do this or can't we do that instead? Yeah, yeah. Uh, various always, parts around the course, obviously. I've got, uh, you know, uh, an idea about what's going on, but it's like, how do you put that across the table sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wait and see uh, what where he's at after, after a practice lap. <laughs> I might a... say it to Big Jim in, in mechanic. Our mechanic might say, Jim, through there is a bit, or probably a gear eye or whatever. So then Jim will relay that. Then it goes in. Yeah. <laughs> Jim's big enough. I was going to say, has anybody seen Jim? <laughs> yeah. He's about eight foot tall and 25 stone. So, but no, it, it, yeah, there's there's always a bit of backwards and forwards, but there's a reason he's got all the handlebars and I do what I do, you know, because he's good at doing that. So if he wants a bit of summer, I'll give a bit of summer, you know, whether he takes it on board or not, that's up to him. Do you think you'd have been as successful as you are, Ben, without Tom next to you? I'd have got a lot further. Do you think? Yeah. I would have said so, yeah. Mm. You needed Steve. You'd have been yeah. begging. Beg, begging. Cheers, lads. <laughs> 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 I 
and unfortunately, oh. obviously, Tom's not big enough to ride a bloody solo either. <laughs> I, did, uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't have done it. It was. It was that moment about the boss saying, "Go and buy your own bike." Yeah. It was because I knew that Tom would do it with me. It, it was only like 14 at the time. <laughs> so I had to wait a year and I had a great lad on the side, Jamie Wynn, until he was old enough and he, he put up with me. Yeah. Until, and, and it was just, he just got like this 100% uh, written proof that he were getting sacked as soon as he, yeah. as soon as he could find an helmet small enough to go on his head. <laughs> <laughs> we used to gang up on Jamie, didn't we, bless him? Like he'd send me out watching somewhere and go, Tell me what he's doing through there. I'll go, I'll go and have a look and come back like, it's not very good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he should be doing this. <laughs> so, so do you think that's where that's where your advantage comes from? Oh, it does, yeah. It does. Right? It, I think so, yeah. yeah. we have it without even realising, I think. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when I look at... I never, I, I'm not saying I feel sorry for anybody, but the commitment that the likes of Dave Molyneux has or Tim Reeves that... You know they're going they're going through their careers as drivers and an exceptional and a really high standard and to have a passenger to that wants to do that for as long as they want to is yeah. very rare. You know I mean the the amount of time me and Tom have been together as a team is unheard of really in in two bloke scenario let's say. So for them to keep having the commitment to do it again and and hopefully find someone who's good enough or that you can get on with or that you have a click with. Because it's important, you know, like, oh, we'll yeah. have a squabble, but, you know, we we do have a click. With, somebody asked us a question yesterday, we did some stuff yesterday, and you, we were talking about our welfare for each other or how you think of each other. Well, I care about him, not just through racing, I do, but I, I already care about him because he's my brother. Mm-hmm. So that bit is just natural. If he's a bit down in dumps, I'll ring him up and we'll go for a pint or something. And it just that passes on to racing. So I, I think that it has a bigger advantage. The more you think about it, the more that you realise, yeah, it is a, you're that step already before. Yeah. So let's talk about your two big crashes that you've had at the TT then. How does that affect you as a pairing? Let me just jump in there. Go for it. Because obviously, <laughs> here we go. Because obviously, you know, you could open up a can of worms. Tom, here, Tom's. Yeah. It's never been discussed ever. Tom, Tom's <laughs> obviously. Uh, when, he, when he was first talking about the TT, you know, he knows he knows where he is and what he is and what's going on and everything else. So, first of all, whose fault was it? His. Right. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> no. No. The, the the first one, like you said in in the introduction, that was a component failure. No doubt about that. Uh, we'd just gone over over at tram lines, and the thing had bottomed out and stuck down. We've later found out, but as as he's turned into to left there at the end, I'm like down, crouched out the wind, doing my job. I'm doing really good. Can't feel any wind on me, and I, I'll just sort of look for the white lines as they as they're coming behind. And I thought, oh, hang on, we're wrong side of them white lines. And I looked up, there's them plastic bollards just going doosh doosh doosh. doosh, doosh. <laughs> The next thing I know, we've, he's, he's turned it then, and we've gone poof like Dukes of Hazard style off, really? it, off at side yeah. of the mountain there. Yeah. It was mega, huge, <laughs> huge. <laughs> you can say that now. <laughs> well, what do you do? It was going wrong, and there's no, there were no coming back from it. No. And it, yeah, that speed, your mind is thinking at a million mile an hour, and, yeah. and I don't think that until somebody's been in a racing situation, realizes half, you, you, you've milliseconds to decide what to do. And I thought, if we go off here sideways, it's going to barrel roll. And that then we, you are screwed. You're knackered, aren't you? So at last minute, I turned it straight and just just did a jump, massive yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> it went miles, didn't it? Yeah. And did you get thanks for that? No, <laughs> I couldn't find him. <laughs> no. I was stuck in a sheep fence. Was <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He cleared the fence. You know, <laughs> this, this fence would be. I'm not exaggerating. It's got to be 20 meters off the edge of the road. You know, to stop sheep going near the road. Yeah, yeah. And we've gone off, and they were like, they'd done some roadworks up there. Thankfully, took a big wall down actually, and they'd like the lads who had been up there had left like a kicker on <laughs> after the tarmac. You know, some rough ground and like a kicker, so it's like going poof one of them and sort of hit me up the arse. I've just gone get rid of this, so I've gone backwards sort of thing. But it was you were that long in air, it became uncomfortable. You know, you knew you were like. Oh. He's waiting for the bang. Hang yeah. on, this ain't right. <laughs> well, I've landed, gone into the sheep fence, but he's cleared the sheep fence. With the outfit? With, yeah. In the bike, riding it, making daft noises. <laughs> Ace. 
If I, if I do it again, I'll do a one-hander. <laughs> we'll get some photographers up there this time, just in case. Oh, dear. <laughs> what did it do to the outfit, then? It was, it was just amazing, really. It, yeah. As it landed, it... it it landed on its wheels downhill, so you know, and then and hit nothing else. It did some bodywork damage, and uh, and it sort of flicked me out of the seat, and I sort of trapped my arm at a bit of an arm and lost my wind a bit. But it didn't. The damage weren't that bad at all, and you know. And then the story goes on that I was staggering about looking for him, couldn't find him, and then he was like right back up there in this fence, <laughs> and uh, we got a helicopter ride back. And I mean, this was second night of practice. So the second time we'd rode this brand new bike supplied by Claffy, and we were, us getting the ride with Claffy in sidecar terms would be like you getting a World Superbike ride in yep. your second season. It, yeah. it doesn't happen. It was at that time they were running a World Superbike team and dead successful, and they were data men and all this stuff that we I knew nothing about. So there was some pressure on, and then uh, I thought that's it. I've ruined it. I was sacked. I'm sat in this helicopter <laughs> going back. <laughs> Proper done it this time. I'm sorry, Tom. I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> and he's laying there going, shut up. <laughs> and uh, somehow they got the bike back. They had to winch it up and take this fence down to get it through. And um, we, he sat us down for a meeting. We weren't injured. We were just bruised. And uh, he said, okay, that's it. We forget this year. We'll come back next year. And then we looked at each other and went, no, no. We'll fix it. It was all right. And he sat. And he must have sat. It felt like 10 minutes. And he never said a word, did mm. he? And it, we're in... We had a coach then, and some were out at windows, and I'm sweating. <laughs> thinking, come on, just let us fix it. We can do it. Because I thought, if I get, if I can at least ride again, we'll do half all right, and we might, he might let us ride again. <laughs> and he said, okay. He said, but I can't, I can't do the bodywork. And I said, I can do that. So we set about it. There's minimal mechanical damage, but the bodywork was bad. And somehow we found an, an another set of fairings uh, on the Isle of Man that somebody else had. So the back end of ours was good. And they got this other one, so I cut it in half, and then cut the bad bit off ours, joined them together, and then set about it. And well, laminated it. Yeah, got it. God, so you start with some tape and bits of aluminium, and then you do one side and other side, and join it together. We missed one night's practice, so we did like yeah, we made, full day, full Wednesday, night, didn't we? into really? the next day. He was quite badly bruised up and bashed up, and I said, "Look, we'll just." We'll just do a lap. Let's just do a lap. Then we've done. Then we qualified. Hopefully, we've done a three laps. If we can go quick enough, we qualified. We could have a night off if everything's not all right. And yeah. I'm like saying anything just to get him back on. He's getting perked up. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> so we sort of rolled up. Paintwork didn't look so good, which we rolled up for practice. And I stood there and I looked at him and he, he looked half all right. And I thought, I hope that fiberglass has gone off because <laughs> it's like the front of it and I thought I'll stop at Braddon and just check it yeah I'll stop at Braddon and then this fog come down and then you couldn't see a thing and they said practice is cancelled and I thought oh thank fuck yeah. for that <laughs> and I looked around to see nice one to him and he'd gone <laughs> I was not ready for that job no not that yeah. night I needed some more tramadol. Yeah. <laughs> needed second wind. So we got a night's grace and it got took off for a bit of paintwork and uh, and then we just chipped away and it went on from there. And I think, I can't remember, I think we had a, we had a fourth and a... No, we had two podiums. The first race we were second. A bit, a bit of good luck, somebody dropped out, I can't remember who. And then the second race we were third. Yeah. Mm. yeah and then uh, it went on, yeah. <laughs> but with that crash, was it obviously your brothers, you're close. It's going to be the same for any teammate in a sidecar, but was there any question like are you sure you're alright with this and vice versa or not we never I don't, don't remember us actually saying it to each other I think no, we just I don't, thought, I don't yeah. want to sound a bit uh, robotic but no yeah it was not really a, a question of doubt you know it was like we worked out why you know it, it wasn't just going to drive off at side of a mountain oh, yeah, for yeah, crack, yeah. Was it, you know well I don't and know it, by the sound of it it sounded like <laughs> he did it on purpose <laughs> Well, it, it, once you'd got no choice, it was quite well, good. He'd <laughs> got the brakes done at the right time, gone down the gears right, yeah. turned in. It just that was it. <laughs> Away, so it was like box it off, try again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that it was quite air raising. Well, it's just what we do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just lucky though, you know. Yeah. Lucky that there was nothing there, you know. When you look at what happened to Connor Cummins, it, 
yeah, he, yeah. he wouldn't have been nearly as badly injured if he'd not if there wouldn't have been a stone wall there. But yeah, stone walls being there is part of Isle of Man. You're not supposed to go anywhere near him, are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. So, so, so we, so from crashing twelve to thirteen, quite a different, quite a different outlook. Yeah, mm. yeah. It was uh, some journey really to to go from that to that. It was it was mega and good team. We had a real good team, you know, and half of it's still with us. And I think that's the key. That's the key to it, definitely. Though. You know, and what obviously, you know, what what was the feeling obviously to to put your first win to bed? I, I can remember it like it was yesterday, and I still remember the feeling of is that really happening? That's really happened. Which sort of um, is the moment was the moment for me. But then the, my next realization kicks in is that, well, yeah, but I will need to do it again, and straight away, and, and that is it. Yeah, and that, but and that really is is my approach. So I, I love I love the moment, but that it's not the end, is it? It's not. I'm not going to stop now. I've got to do it again. So I've got to find a way of doing it again. And can I do it again? And yeah, that might sound a bit boring, but hey, I have this conversation so much because people, yeah. you know, say to you obviously about winning, and the, you know they say, well, "What's the best? Well, the best feeling is winning, obviously, at any event and so on." But this very sad part is usually on a on a short circuit or wherever you may be away from the TT. You know, it lasts for the drive home, then you're thinking about the next event. Yeah. But obviously, for you, winning the first one, it, you've got another race that week. Yeah, it's not. It ain't done. Job's not done. You know, there's, you know, drinking done. Will be in beer tent, but only just for people to say, "Oh, well done." You know, it's not. It's it's it is not finished. Job's not done yet. Mm-hmm. No. So was the you know was it was it relief or was it a massive celebration? It was win the first one. Bit of relief, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it was sort of. <clears throat> it's like monkey off your back. Yeah, it? and I never, we never go into TT, do we? Like presumptuous no, of anything never, never and that and it's i've never said this is how we're going to do it but this is just how we do it we just go there best we can and see what see what you get and if it's not a win it's not a win and i think that is for me that's important keeps you level keeps you grounded but it keeps you hungry as well so when you get some it it's relief but it's like whoa <laughs> great you know and and driving and and passengering was it hard work or was it hard work and a surprise for the first win or was it easy and felt like you hadn't really tried tricky to keep the high level of concentration because you know you catch a glimpse of a, a pit board and it says p1 plus four you know whoa, you know this is on the last lap but don't break down please oh, don't break down yeah there's all that and then there's you've got to hit everything perfect you know and whereas before that you might have been doing that Without knowing what position you're in, just feeling good, and and then if you've got to be, you've got to be, uh, you've got to grow up quick, and not let the stuff creep in. You know, while you've got your helmet on and thinking about that first pint will taste lovely and all that kind of thing. You know, so yeah, had to really keep concentrated and only think about it. You know, when that bloke were waving that checkered flag, but and other thing is, you know, don't want to let him down. You know, want him to win as much as me. So you know, that's an extra bit of motivation. But it's just a an absolute flood of emotion, and it, I think that first win is probably the you know the the, the favourite. I don't know if that question was going to come, but you know just having that relief and working that hard for that amount of time and going through all them, you know, <laughs> helicopter trips and <laughs> eating bran flakes in hospital in the morning and all that, <laughs> thinking I don't I don't want to be here. <laughs> This is now it's supposed to end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, and the reason why I asked that really is because, you know, from a solo side, I had two laps of leading and everything to lose. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, whether it be a breakdown or making a mistake. But of course, for you two, it's two people's concentration, not one. Yeah. You've got to keep proper on it, concentrated and not not start thinking about, you know, yeah, the what you're going to do after the yeah. checker flag and so on. It's no, and it, and it is easy to let that creep in because, you know, it, you come round Craig Nabar on last lap if you're in lead you're having programmes waved at you and all mm-hmm. that lot and you think you'd almost say you'd done it but mm. you haven't have you and, it, and I think it's just that respect for the place again you know you can you, you keep you keep that but for our first four or five wins I would say I wasn't at a level of skill or yeah skill there to be able to uh, do anything other than go like I was going Mm-hmm. That I was one speed full on, and it, John McGinnis collared me at back at grandstand, and he said, 
what the bloody hell are you doing trying to break lap record on the last lap when you've got a 20 second lead and it just hit me like a ton of bricks and then I and I sort of thought I don't how could I regulate it could I slow you know can you or and then you sort of realise that you can and what a great position to be at at TT where I could pick my feet up if I needed to mm. and then you, you get in a comfier position that's providing that nobody else can do the same thing behind you yeah, but yeah. It, I don't really want to talk about it you know and sound big headed or that I'm better than anybody else but it's so nice to be at that level with your bike with, your, with Tom whereas you can sort of if you've got a bit of a cushion on the last lap you can shift gear at 15 instead of 15 and a half and yeah. you know adjust your helmet a bit or swallow and not not have to be so flag's gone you can shut off now <laughs> <laughs> yeah alright so let's look to the future 2022 we're only a matter of weeks away from the TT sorry to say that lads I hope you're prepared yeah. how's your preparation going what are you expecting or what are you obviously you're wanting to win are you looking at that lap record as well as something you want to take it gets talked about a lot. Mm. Uh, preparation's good. We've had two years to prepare from it that should should be a lot different to what we've talked before. Right. Um, and it's something that we talked about doing for a long time but never had the time or the resources or the, the help to do it. So we've we found that and um, so that's going to be dead interesting. The way you put another wheel on it? <laughs> <laughs> Steve's on. <laughs> Took one off. <laughs> Took one off. In the real world now. We're allowed to see Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's just different... Uh, configuration and engine configuration and the way that the drive's given to the back wheel so that'll be interesting um, and saying that if it don't work we also need to go back to what we know so we'll we'll effectively have two bikes there this year so that if by Tuesday and Wednesday it's not working we can put the old pair of shoes back on and yeah and go at it but yeah preparation's great and one, the 120 lap who knows it's not um, it'd be fantastic it's not really on my radar it's not something I dream about doing I dream about winning another definitely or winning more than one if that lap comes then you know great but I don't think that it'll be just us that ups our game and I don't think it'll be just us that can get to that speed in future but it's it's doable when you look on paper I, I didn't look I resisted it and he's laughing because the old man don't show him splits don't show him splits I don't want to know if I can do it or not because you just shit yourself if you know you can don't you <laughs> And then all I'll do is just think about nothing else. And if it's one sector that's letting me down, I'll just be obsessing over that. So I've resisted it. But I looked the other day and uh, it's doable. But it's, I mean, you know what TT's like. The, the sector that is was is from about three years ago that makes it up. And I don't know why that was, I don't know, it could have been throttle stuck or something or I missed, <laughs> I forgot to change Dan. <laughs> who, who knows? I don't remember. But it, I think it is doable and it'd be great. I think it'd be a great thing for sidecars and for TT to, you know, to go back. But I'm I'm not going alpha leather after that. I'm going to try and win. You, you said you've been doing some wrecking, obviously just recently with your newcomer and so on. Um, but how do you feel? Obviously, you've missed two years. It's three years since you've raced there. What do you, how do you think pace-wise will be anyway if you was going to be using the same outfit, say? I don't think... Uh, well, like 2019 was probably a good gauge of that. What do we have? Two practice yeah. laps for the whole week. Yeah. Yeah, weather was bad for practice week. Horrendous, yeah. yeah. So we went to, to the the grid, you know, sort of, how's this going to go? But we had to rely on his experience and had to rely on a good package that we knew we'd put together from previous year. Went with that, had a word with each other and just sort of went, right, know what he's doing, let's just try and do it. You know, didn't uh, get too worked up, didn't get too, you know, wound up about it. Just went and did what, sort of came naturally and it paid off so yeah going back it's going to take a lot of adjusting to obviously like you know it's always a shock the first night of practice is always like a shock to the senses you know the sun's going down and a bloke says there's the road it's all yours off you go you know and there's dust and <laughs> leaves and it's noisy and it's like wow but you know I cannot wait to get back to that so like I said before it's always like starting again so I don't think that'll change. And to be honest, the last two years, I've just thrown in bin. You know, it's like 2020 for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just want to get back to it, want to get get back in involved. But, uh, wow. So yeah. for your approach, 22 this year, obviously you're going with a, a development outfit. And going from what you've just said, Tom, obviously, you know, what if the weather's bad? 
for 22 for the first practice week, then what will your plan be? Revert back to we'll, we'll what We'll just you probably know. revert back and... Um, Touch wood, you're mm. going to have a great TT. Obviously, yeah. never is going to get as much practice as possible. And, it, and it's just it's preparation. We'll just be prepared to to drop back to what we what we know. If you know, like say, if the weather's bad or if something's not working, and going with something new, first time back after two years is a bit because I'm going to be spending a lot of time thinking what's happening with the bike and not so much time readjusting. So I, you know, I, I have thought about it all, and we'll just decide as a team. Don't know if if I'm pulling that funny face that I pulled. Or Jim will say, "Get off that," <laughs> <laughs> or something. So, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll be prepared. But I going going last weekend yeah. did me a world of good because everybody's saying, "Oh, they've they've torn at this and they've done that and courses in the right state and it's fine." It's, I'd go tomorrow. You know, it's it's no worse than it's been. It's just a bit different in places, and they're gonna hopefully all get get their fingers out and get. Hitting tarmac with backs of shovels and level it all up a bit before we get there. I can tell from what Chris just said when he just mentioned about obviously running to 2022. You both sat there and smiled yeah. like you can't wait to get there. He, he just no, can't. Genuinely that. excited, really am. It's funny when we went back the other week, it proper did that Isle of Man thing to us. We got there and it was throwing it down and there was fog and we go up at Martin, you couldn't see a thing in front of us, like eager to do a lap. It's like just be patient, lads. And then, <laughs> then the next morning it was beautiful, and we, you know we got some early laps, and it was it was mega. But it was just that it just sort of pulled you back and just went, just be patient. Yeah. When I'm ready, <laughs> you can have a go. <laughs> and you just got to take that in a bit, aren't you? Over there, you know, it's when it comes, it's amazing, and you have to just wait for that sometimes. I've I've spent weeks thinking. Well, I've spent two years. You sit and you think I'll do a lap in my head. I don't know if anybody else does this or that's through there. And then I have to go and watch, or or after like. And can you remember every gear, <laughs> every gear, every gear for every turn? That that kind of I don't level do, of. I don't do that until a month before. Then I'll start going through my gears in my head. Because if I do that now, I won't sleep. <laughs> 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 so to go, do you know to go back and just familiarise yourself with it? I'm not going to sleep now. You've said that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But it's uh, and and I was happy with how much I knew, you know, because you sort of it's two two years where I resisted thinking about it too much, but I couldn't help but think about it. And then and then I thought, oh, I don't know if I know enough, or I remember enough, or I've got to do work a lot harder. But I haven't. It's there, and that shows how much you've ingrained it in your mind over mm-hmm. the last ten. <laughs> right, usually. At the end of a podcast, we ask, uh, well, I ask some quick-fire questions, which you can just answer one or the other, okay? You've been asked some questions both of you in separate rooms, but for, because there's two of you, we're doing <laughs> Mr. and Mr. What have you said? So we're going to ask you separately. Bad, mate. Right, oh, Ben. Nice. Yes. Okay. We asked Tom, who is Ben's TT hero? Carl Fogarty. Yeah. Too easy. Not just TT hero, he's just my hero, full stop. <laughs> what a top map mine nine one of well, one of ours not mine yeah, one yeah. of ours teammate I've even got them eyes tattooed on my arm <laughs> get <laughs> out yeah <laughs> have you yeah <laughs> now that is a massive I seen it I seen it in motorcycle news when he did it and I thought that's what I'm having so I went straight down to monster shop at Mansfield can you do this and he looked this great big Hell's Angel type bloke looked at me going he went what that I said yeah yeah sit down <laughs> No wonder you've been thrown out of Mansfield now. <laughs> <It is. laughs> we we, we won, uh, won in 2013 and we're having a pint in hospitality bit. You do, you know, like elated, awesome, walking around with this great big trophy. And then Carl then, he goes, oh, hey, lads, can I have a look and all that. So bloody hell, foggy. And uh, having a picture took with him and I leant across to him and goes, I couldn't speak, I was like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Show me your tattoo then. And he's going, piss off. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Hey, he listens to the podcast, so he's going to know now. Right, second question. What is Ben's worst habit? Bloody hell, I've got a few. I, I don't know what he'd say. <laughs> uh, pretending it's not my fault, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't wash his socks. Uh, very stinky feet. That my feet don't smell. Yeah, oh, you can right. never smell your own. No. Doesn't matter what it is. Quite like them. <laughs> <laughs> right, Tom. We asked Ben, what's the one thing Tom couldn't live without? Hair gel. 
females. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and I just better apologise to uh, oh, yeah. Tom's missus. Yeah, Her exactly. name's Kelly as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Would Ben prefer the 120 mile per hour lap or 18 TT wins? I mean, technically, both. Right. Both. He's greedy, isn't he? That's, <laughs> right. that's what he's expecting. I think. <laughs> so pressure's on. Might get one without other. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect, gentlemen. It's been an absolute oh, pleasure to have you. you. We look forward thank to seeing you, you uh, on the start line in a few weeks' time. Right, boys. Cheers, boys. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Steve. Those boys. Do you know what grasps me about those two boys is how professional they are, how they've not let that success go to the head. Like, every single TT is treated with the utmost respect. And still hungry, still starving yeah. for more success. They really are. You know, it's their number one priority, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, they've said they're bringing out something completely different for 2022 at the TT. And uh, yeah, fair play to them. They just want to go faster and faster. What's your predictions with these boys? Is there, is there any sign of anybody getting close to them? Do you know what? Normally, you would say that their only enemy is themselves. But with those two, they're so level-headed and take nothing for granted at all. You know, of course, things can go wrong uh, mechanically, you know, breakdowns, whatever it may be. But uh, I really don't know who or what is going to stop them. I'm going to predict nothing. I'm going to predict you're going to be a passenger with Ben Birchall at some point. I think I think we need to make that, we need to make that Get happen. Get on it. <laughs> this has been episode seven of the TT podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, don't forget, we have plenty more star-studded names from the world of the TT coming up in this series. And don't forget, you can catch all the latest news and features over on iomttracers.com. And be sure to check us out on all the usual socials. We are at TT Racers Official. Thanks for listening. Listener.